Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roasters Studios, part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks on 106.7 in Central Arkansas. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and alongside me is Adam Hall. We're also brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchups for reports for baseball, NFL, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest ways to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And talk about games starting, man. I, I don't know what happened yesterday. I, I don't know. I'm at a loss. I think Razorback fans are at a loss. You think with how you were – you played against LSU, and we talked about it. Maybe if they're competitive, that kind of springboards them into this game. And it, it was just like you could put this game at the first game of the year or the last game of the year. But it's the same kind of outcome. I mean, the defense held their own in the second half, but even they – you know, I gave them a D at the first half. And it was just like for a lot of the times there was just – no effort, and we'll get into the details that I've seen, but, you know, just to have this game play out the way it did, final score didn't do any justice of what the game was. And I'll get your thoughts on it in a second. But, yeah, it was just you never felt, even after that pick six, I mean, that was a little spark, but then they turned around and scored right again, and it was like I had that feeling that this, this game just was not going to go Arkansas's way. Yeah, you know, we talked about last week, you know, doing uh, playing A&M the second game rather than opening up the conference season with it. And you hoped for a better, but it just – we talk about funky games when it comes to A&M, Arkansas, usually coming down to maybe one play, two plays, but that was just all around a weird game. Yeah, and looking here, you know, at, you know it's just like I said – K.J. Jefferson was 9 of 17 for 132 yards, one touchdown, and that touchdown was <laughs> at the end. You know, I mean, it wasn't even – I mean, it was just – the, I don't know what it was. He started off four for four. Like, mm-hmm. he started off great. And then it's like they just put the passing in, in back in the cupboard or something. Well, and then after – I think that was the first drive, second drive, or whatever, starting off four for four um, on third downs was big. Yeah. And then it was just like they'd start moving and then something would happen, just shoot themselves in the foot. And honestly, a lot of it had to do with sacks. I mean, yeah. seven sacks in the game and we didn't get they didn't we didn't sack them one time, but that was huge on them getting into the backfield. Yeah, that I would tell you, I, and I'll tell you what, the defense might have took offense to, you know, when we have Travis Brown on, you know, talking about he thought that, you know, Arkansas could light up their secondary or really make waves on their defense. But I think the linebackers and, and 
the defensive line really brought the pressure. And I know a lot of it was a mixture between KJ just – there was hardly, you know, there was a couple of times Rocket Sanders just whiffed. I mean, he mm-hmm. he let the go by guy go by him. He raised his hands in the air. He he just knew like I whiffed. There was a lot of just miscues, and you could, I I don't know. Maybe that's another thing. Like that game just needs to be out of Dallas because going down there, you know, on the road, you know what you got looming now. Next week you got Ole Miss, and then Alabama after that. You had a loss against LSU, and it's kind of pancaked right there in the middle of it, but. I, maybe the the mis, it's just the fact that they just get down for this game and and, and it kind of showed on the field yesterday. I really didn't see that much effort when it come to the offensive line and the offense. And good lord, it seemed like it took like six, seven, eight seconds for this these plays to develop. And then that that draw play on third down, it took ten seconds to go, you know to get going. It was just a lot of slow motion that that that's execution. I know we're going to get on the coaches here in a little bit, but, you know, when you're not executing, you're taking that long to develop a play. I don't see how that part of it's on coaching. No, and, you know, one thing that was harped on, or not harped on necessarily, but talked about a lot was the speed of these receivers on top of their height. Um, Four fours, four fives, but there's no separation on these guys whatsoever downfield enough. and I mean so you had plays if it did get to last four five six seconds you know lucky on Arkansas but there Kate nobody was open for KJ to throw to and then you're taking out Lou cause who we now know is out for the season yeah um, oh, that was God. a big part I think of the offensive game plan that was no longer drawn because I know when gums got in I mean I just didn't really see, I can see why has is taking the spot that he has because I didn't see it from Gums when he was on the field. When, when he got taken down and you've seen him grasp for air and he was holding his shoulder, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to speculate because I'm not a medical, a, a doctor or a nurse or anything, but I just had a sense it was the collarbone area because how he was just it's like he couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't breathe and then he went to the back. And then, of course, you know, that scary moment with John Morgan, you know, prayers that, that he's doing okay and, and he's blinking because, I mean, when they – you know, you break away to the SEC network and Dari and the guys are just sitting there just like you could see in their eyes they're scared. Mm-hmm. And then you see his shoulder pads come off and you're thinking the worst because of, you know, the Hamlin situation last year with Buffalo. But, you know, when you guys' pads come off that quick, you're like, oh, my God, you know, what what's going on? So prayers out to him and his family. You know, hopefully everything – comes back. I didn't know exactly what happened. Again, we don't speculate until I I hear you know from from mm-hmm. the team on on his uh, injury update. But um, from what we heard, every you know Haas be done for the season, and then um, there was another one that had gotten uh, injured. McLaughlin had McLaughlin, the yeah. concussion. Concussion. That's correct. So Nudie. Be, I mean, I'm going to assume. I honestly don't know here that college has similar or some protocols when it comes to concussions like the NFL. So I'm sure there's going to be concussion protocol for him. If I had to guess, we're not going to see him against Ole Miss, but I'm not going to say that we will or we won't. I haven't seen anything come out today. Yeah. And man, it's, it's, is it too soon to be like, has this team given up? Has this team, I know the fans, you know, you pull the fans right now. It's, I, I would dare to say 70, 30. You know, when it comes to where you at on this season, I guarantee, and, I, and that might be even being doing it lightly. I know when we put it out there today, you know what your thoughts on the season so far, and everybody, you know, of course, I mean, you could see it. 
after last week, being upset mm-hmm. and frustrated, and everybody's like, fire the coaches. But then when you have back-to-back performances like that, you know, it, it, it resonates more because it wasn't just like a fluke game. They just did not come out to play yesterday, and it, it's coming to be that there's going to have to be some soul-searching. Mm-hmm. There's gonna It's either soul-searching or, or there's going to have to be some changes. And if that's at the top, it's at the top. But, you know, when, when you're talking about your captain, KJ, I, I feel for the guy because he's breaking these records and he's tying these records and passing Matt Jones – but then his coach is saying after the game, well, we just don't like him being under center to get us fourth and one. Do you? Who doesn't trust him? I, there's got to be something going on. Either Pittman's taking the fall over something else, whether it may be NIL money, whether it may be something else, I don't know. But something has to be going on, or he just flat out don't trust him. To be honest, Adam, I don't know which one's worse. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but to come out and basically, you know, say that you don't trust him under center at fourth of one, I'm just like, uh, but you trust him in shotgun in mm-hmm. fourth and one? Like, yeah. I, I just don't understand. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like there's something going on that we're obviously not privy to. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't get it, especially when you're in a situation that potentially – your job's going to be on the line, like we've talked about with Bryles and others. I mean, um, so if the changes need to be made, I mean, by God, you better make them. Yeah. Well, and he said that, you know, at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. He's like, well, you know, they said changes need to be made. Well, I'm not – they're not taking my job. So we're going to, you know, make changes on the coordinators. And and granted – it needed something needed to happen. Things just weren't going, and I, I, nothing irritates me more than like if it don't work out here, doesn't mean that just because they go somewhere else and it's kind of working out for them that we'll see. They could have done so much better at Arkansas. Like, don't be the ones on the forefront of wanting Odom and Browse gone, and then you want to point out how good they are doing at TCU, and and you mm-hmm. that's a fence rider. You know, like don't you can't sit there and be the ones that. Say third note him, third note him. Well, look at this fourth and one tight end sneak, and then you look at UNLV four and one, and then you look at what Browse is doing at TCU, and you're like, well, see, it's it, whether it's Pittman's fault or not. You were wanting them gone just as much as everybody else, and so to sit there and make points of how they're doing better—that that is the epitome of fence riding. Yeah, and I mean the memes that I saw a plenty yesterday and today on. Kendall Bryles and the y'all hiring y'all. I mean, whatever else. I'm just kind of like, like you said, a lot of y'all are the yeah. folks that wanted him gone. Yeah. And then here we are post. I mean, Kendall Bryles didn't want to be here point blank. His exactly. foot was out the door. He was looking for whether a bigger, I don't know, bigger paycheck or better position. Who knows? But his foot was out the door. So he didn't want to be here. He's gone. We have what we have, you know, stop I, I we just got to stop with the coaches that no longer are here if you want to i mean look out for the players that aren't here talk about that great yeah is what it is but to constantly remind everybody of what bryles is doing versus what enos is doing i mean it's just it's ridiculous yeah and and again i bring up kj because you know he was that he was the one that we were looking at this year he wants to go down as one of the greatest if not the greatest razorback quarterback ever I mean, 
he could break every record this year or whatnot. He could even come mm-hmm. back. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, that that's his decision, but he could break every record. And if they're four and eight or five and seven or six and six, there's no way you can put him as the greatest quarterback ever. Oh, no. Also, I mean, I, I think that we talked about that as we were looking at the, the season coming up, that even with him breaking or being up there passing all these records, it would still potentially take a nine or ten win season yep. to put him up there as, you know, the greatest quarterback that's come through Arkansas. And, I mean, say what you want. We don't know how the rest of the season's going to play out, but that's not happening. And I want to, you know, kind of say something to the to our fans, our listeners and stuff. Look, I know it's bad timing when we're getting beat by Texas A&M and they're posting uh, stuff about KJ. But, you know, also we still have to think about what KJ has done for this university. And, and he we do it for the recognition of what he's doing, you know, for this program. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's, it's bad timing and all that stuff. They're trying to find that silver lining. But it, it's just – I hate it that it's another one of those. Look at Darren McFadden. Look at the years that he had at the tail end. You know, look at everything that went on with that situation. You know, look at the Bobby Petrino era. I mean, we had a, two good years, and then you've seen what happened after that. Brett Bielema had a good year. You know, it, you look at the history of Arkansas football, and that's just how it's always been. And, and it, it sucks because you're wanting that – you know, you're wanting the fans to get what they deserve. You want them to have a good team. They're the most passionate fan base in the country, and they deserve it. We all deserve for the Razorbacks to be good and put a. And when you're talking about expanding and raising ticket prices and doing everything that when it comes to this football program, and you're wanting donors and boosters and even more with NIL and stuff, you're asking more of of boosters and and sponsors now. To have this product be put on the field, it's discouraging. And again, I hate to say it, man, but I'm I, I'm planning on going to the Florida Internet or the FIU game in mm-hmm. in November, and I'm kind of worried on how empty that stadium is going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I just you never know. Yeah, and I mean that's for KJ to stick through what he's stuck through. Um, you know, he yes, Chad Morris recruited him here. I'll give him that. But to stick through it after that debacle and to not know what the future was going to hold with Pittman, and honestly, it was a blessing for Felipe Franks to come in and show KJ, you know, leadership and what he's learned in Florida and then at Arkansas and to learn behind him, you know, was great. And for him to potentially go out with a season like this, it's just, it's hard to watch. And you see the frustration on his face coming off the field. Um, when he's on the bench that, you know, we hadn't seen that much of before. So it's, it's start, it's tough to watch and it's hard, you know, not to feel for him, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, y'all get paid to do this now. So, you know, yeah. you've got to, you got to step up a little bit in that aspect. And, and that's the thing. It's like, he's your captain. And that's where this tough, this gray area is like, how much do you put this on the coaching staff? But also, like, how much of this do you put on the players when it comes to the effort and how much? And, and you know, they're so used to being off limits. Well, you, you can't talk about kids' effort. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. When, if you're talking about their gameplay, to me, that's fine. You can mm-hmm. criticize their gameplay all you want. 
you just can't talk about them their their personal life or talk to or say they suck or they need to go do this or do that. But there comes a time when you've got your guy, your your quarterback carting around in, in a brand new Corvette, but you won't put him under center to get your team a first down or run him under center and throw the screen like we've seen. You know, mm-hmm. again, you go to the back to that trust and what is not resonating. I do, and it's almost like, man, I just I would love for C to KJ just to be in shotgun formation, check off into whether it's called or not, get under center and get the first down and be like, I am taking control of this team. We're going to win this game. Where's the will to win? Like, where's the mm-hmm. will to I'm going to put this team on my back. Or a couple of guys on defense, you know, again, the defense, how they played in the second half was was very, I mean, it was better than it was in the first half. Mm-hmm. But it's just. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that pick six, I mean, I was hyped afterwards. I was like, okay, here we go. And then to come out how they came out and basically immediately let A&M score was just yeah. deflating, which is how a lot has gone lately. Um, you know, I saw the comment there, uh, KJ wasn't built for Dan Enos offense. I somewhat agree. Um, you know, I think that Criswell fits Dan Enos's offense better, but KJ is your senior. He's your leader. He's been your three-year starter. You're go- you're going to roll with him. Yep. So, and that's just how that breaks down. It's not KJ's fault that they changed had to change coordinators for his last season. Yeah, and I'm not saying bench the guy. I'm oh, not no. saying that, that. That, but I'm just. I just want to see more. I want to see more. Uh-huh. Pittman just looks de- defeated. He just looks like you know. When, even when they were talking to him on the sideline, it, it's like he's trying to come up with an answer and come up with an explanation on. But we know what needs to be done. Like it's just like he. You could just see his head scrambling for an answer to to kind of say it in a PR proper way when he's talking to the the commentators. But it's like. We can't get this going, and we're trying to do this. And, again, with the fourth and – it's almost like you dealt with the criticism of that last week. Why not practice that? Why not at least try? What's the worst that can happen if you put it into your system, you installed it, you spent 10 minutes a a day working on this, getting your snap right, and then implementing it into this game, knowing. But, again, and and the fact that a timeout and and you – you were going to punt. It, all these, all that does is throw gas on the fire. Yeah, because, I mean, we obviously saw whether they were working on it more in the past or it just came up. We saw Satania out on the field yep. for an end around, so you know they've been working on that. I don't – I would like a straightforward answer, which I know you're not going to get all the time with coaches, but if you got to call somebody out, call somebody out. What's it going to – I mean – you might cause some issues. You might cause some rifts, but at the same time, it just sounds so. And like you said, Pittman sounds like he's at a loss for words. And then when he does talk, it's just repetitive. Yeah. You yeah. know, whether it's he was out coached or it's not the offensive line, but it's the, I mean, it's just the kind of the same thing. And it's like, well, it's something because we had, we're having the same output. If, even if he don't want to call out, players or if he is falling out the sword go by position or, or offense or defense hey man we got some guys on the offensive side of the ball that's not doing x y and z or hey we got some of our receivers here and then in your individual meetings then that's when you chew on their butt mm-hmm. that's when you when you're in film I, it's weird that bringing up the defense of it there was one play where 
it was a swing pass out to LSU, and uh, Paul was out in coverage. And the, the LSU guy caught it and kind of jumbled it, fumbled it, and then re-got it and regained possession of it. But it was like his first instinct was to angle away from him and try to run him out of bounds, opposed to there was no flying to the ball. There was no – if you got a guy in the flat, there was – you didn't see hardly anybody flying to the ball and trying to get them on contact or break up the pass. It was automatic stand there, hips turn to the outside, and you're automatically expecting him to catch the ball and then, and then give him four to five. There were so many plays that they got three to four extra yards just by the positioning, just mm-hmm. by the angles and not flying to the ball and trying to really – hit them, try to pin them, and, and put that fear in, like, look, we're not throwing these swing passes. We're not throwing over the middle because we got guys that are coming to headhunt. That was the only disappointing thing that I really seen, you know, consistently from the defensive standpoint of that was just I want to see more heart and effort when you're flying to the ball and making those open field tackles. Yeah, and I know early in the first half I was watching and I was thinking, I think um, Anias Smith had a big catch, which he think he finished with like 70 yards, but he finished with like 193 total yards because of his punt returns. Um, but in the first half, he caught a it was 20, 30-yard pass, and I was just like, this is going to be the guy this game. You know, like we saw with neighbors in LSU. I was just thinking in my head, like, here we're, we're about to go again with another receiver that they've figured out can pick apart or with Mac Johnson can connect to to pick apart our defense. Yeah. And he was just – he was getting out in the open space in the middle of the field um, way too often, way too often. Well, and also teams are realizing Moss had 107 yards on 17 carries, and I want to say that without looking it up, um, didn't an LSU – running back have over 100 yards rushing against have last last week. Let's I'm see. trying LSU. to see. Uh, well, they had their one of their running backs had 97. Okay, 97. So, But 14 rushes for 97 yards, 7-yard average. So, you know, teams now, this is where it's going to start getting tricky. And this is where it's really you're starting to dig yourself a hole. If you're letting – look what – Ole Miss just put 700 yards up on 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 LSU. That was a barn burner of a game. If there is ever a distance, yeah. It's just like, all right, when it comes to the defense, what are you going to focus on? Now now teams are knowing that you can get a 100-yard rusher against this defense. I mean, some mm-hmm. of them holes, that they were, it was just insane how open they were. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, if you it's what's crazy. You just brought up a point about Anaya Smith. He only had 71 yards on four attempts, but he, he was like 17 average. But it felt like he had 200 yards receiving. Just mm-hmm. it just felt that way. And then of course you throw in the the punt return. But I am highly concerned about next week's game because that secondary. If you got guys out of position, I'm telling you, it, it, it could be another. I mean, look, LSU put what fifty? It was fifty-five, forty-nine, correct? Mm-hmm. They yes. put fifty-five on LSU. Can Arkansas score fifty points? No. Right now, in in, in this game, in this season, how this team is built, can they score fifty points? And that's probably what it's going to take mm-hmm. to win this game. 
Yeah. I mean, you're, it's going to be a shootout that, or do you have enough uh, in your arsenal to compete? And, you know, scoring 56 week one, I think was the high point for this team. Um, Especially what we've seen over the last few weeks. I mean, 20s and 30s, I think are going to, I'm just, I don't think there's any way that we can put up those numbers. Yeah. And we're going to touch on that more after the break, continue our talk about the LSU, or the Ole Miss game coming up, and, of course, recapping this Texas A&M loss, and we'll catch you after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www. Sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And I guess moving on to the the Ole Miss game. I mean, just with how everything happened with the AM game and the or the LSU game and AM game, it's like if one thing could just turn this season around, it would be a win against Ole Miss, and it would be a start. And I think we're at that point to where something's got to happen. we got to win, and you got to win two or three of these things in a row. You can't sit there and let's just say, all right, well, we beat Ole Miss, and then you go on a two- or three-game losing streak after that. There's got to be – and I'm telling you what, Alabama's looking stronger. I mean, they they mm-hmm. seem like they're starting to kind of turn things around. So I'm telling you what, the wins are coming less and less 
of a chance to get these wins. And I know before the season I was at nine, you were at eight, and you know that I, I don't see. I mean, they'd have to run the table for mine now. But it's just mm-hmm. the fact that if you could see one thing that they could not, I guess, salvage this season. I mean, we're acting like it's already, you know, they're already up one foot out the door, but. What do you think the biggest key would be to just try to get things to turn around? I think, I mean, I, I, I don't want to come up in with a lot of optimism for the Ole Miss game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of being Debbie Downer at the moment, but it is what it is. Um, you know, if we come out of this with two more losses, beat Mississippi state, go into our bye week, um, I think after those two games and then starting with the home game with Mississippi state, I think you'd have to win out, which would I think put you at what seven and five. Yeah. But um, I'm just, I I don't see it happening right now. Um, I think things, you know, effort seems to be a lot of what's lacking and a lot of it's the frustration that you see between um, KJ, the offensive line, um, the team in general is just, uh, I don't see it. Like when I see KJ snap or when um, the center snaps the ball to KJ, you know, I just, I don't see a lot of movement with the line. Um, Unless honestly, unless it's them getting stood up and pushed back. Uh, That happened a lot yesterday. happened a lot against BYU. And so I, I just think that you have to go to the heart of a lot of it. And a lot of the offensive issues, I think start at the offensive line. And that's what was weird, like, last week, how we come out of the LSU game. I mean, it was a loss, but it was like, man, all right, all right. They, they come out and showed effort. They made progress, and then it's just like you took two steps back. And mm-hmm. it's, it's going to take a win. I, I, mm-hmm. I know it's going to be hard. I mean, I don't even think even a close loss because I think that would be one of those where, all right, we're doing so well, and then you just come up short again. I think nothing short of a win next week against Ole Miss. On the road, I know it's going to be a tough task. You know, um, we just seen how they just carved up LSU's defense. But if you want to send KJ out on, on, on a high note, if you want to salvage this season, if you want to prove that what we're saying up here is false and, hey, we're going to show those guys – we're going to show those guys that, you know, they were talking all that noise and doubting us that we're going to turn things around. I think it's going to take effort on the field. I think it's going to take some plays that this is a different Arkansas team than we've seen and really a, a complete 180 basically is what I it's going to take for me to really be like, okay, they got it. They got the message. Yeah, because, I mean, let's call it like it is. Moral victories aren't anything. Yeah. Um so we can stop playing that like, oh, they played better. But, no, the, the butt game's over. The moral victories game's not happening. They're not out there for participation trophies. Um, you know, it's – call it like it is. So they need to come out and win games. Um, the close losses just uh, – there's no more – you can't handle that anymore. Yeah, because, it, again, yeah, it's the timing. You know, because, look, mm-hmm. if you have another close loss, like, okay, you close loss against LSU, then you come out and get manhandled by A&M. 
you come out and you fight hard, but then you get let down at the end of the Ole Miss game, and then you've got to prepare for Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I mean, it's at the point where you're coming out of that, like we said last week, two and five. You know, you still, you know, you'd have to win out just to make a bowl. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, and 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 to do it, you've got to do it against a team in Missouri who's looking pretty salty right now. Yeah, they're and, ranked twenty second in the country, I think. They're un, under or yeah, undefeated. And so it's almost like, what do you got to do to have get change? And another thing. This this guy, this is what we gotta think about. We gotta talk about. It. I know that you know Pittman's time might not have run its course. Do we give him an Enos another year? But with the fact that uh, we've brought this up so many times of you got Texas and OU, you you got two more teams coming in your conference next year. There's no more divisions, there's no more, you know, playing in the West. How you know where is the line? And this is I know Hunter's probably thinking about this. Where is this line of all right? Do I stick with him, give him one more year to really make this? You know, ha- give them a full year together. If KJ somehow comes back, you know, give this team one last chance or one chance to really try to string something together, especially with the youth and the talent you got. Or do you cut ties now? At the end of this season, and re, I don't under it, it's it is tough because I know mm-hmm. that the naysayers are going to say just fire everybody, but we've seen since Petrino what that has done to our program. So we're, it, that that's the thing. We know how long it would take if you really mm-hmm. look at this thing. How long is it going to take to rebuild this football program? Yeah, and I I, I don't have it would take too long of a time. I'm at this point that, you know, while Pittman is our head coach, he's our head coach. So I'm not going to, I'm just saying with the future with, if Pittman, this is just, if it doesn't work out, um, you have the money in your backyard with the companies that are here and the boosters that we have stop worrying so much about, finding the right guy that loves here, that wants to be here. We've seen where that got, you know, where that got us. If you have to buy your coach, so be it. If you have to buy your players with NIL money, so be it. That's where we're at. The players are, I mean, I'm not, this is not a knock on the state of Arkansas recruiting, but if you look at where the four and the five stars are mainly out of, they're not here. So if you have to go get them, and you have to do, use whatever means to do so, do it now that it's legal. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, we're just going to be still here with this, you know, mediocrity that we've all come accustomed to. If you look at the coaches on, on staff and all the programs at Arkansas, Mike Neighbors is about the only one that is an Arkansas guy. Mm-hmm. You got you got Pittman. About the closest you get, born and raised in Grove, just right over the border over there. But you look at Difel, you you bring them in. She was pregnant when they brought her in. Look what she's done in the softball program. Mm-hmm. Colby Hale, what BYU guy. You you got a volleyball coach that's got his volleyball team ranked highest ever. Ever. He's mm-hmm. 
you know, he's Australian. You know, you, you look at Shauna Taylor, you look Eric Musselman, look look at that guy. He come in. It's it's almost like we say it's gonna take somebody from Arkansas to get Arkansas, but look at all these I wouldn't call them outsiders. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that in a negative way, but you look at all the people who have come from other places. Hunter Yurchek, look what he's done. Mm-hmm. You come, you get them. It's what you preach to the the kids on the campus. You get them to campus. We're going to have them. You get an AD that really buys into what this could be. Look what Eric Musselman's done. Hunter Yurchek. Look at all those coaches have done. It doesn't have to be some, Frank Brules, the Godfather of Arkansas, Georgia Tech guy. You know, it doesn't necessarily take somebody. It's going to take somebody who gets what needs to happen to change this program around. It's going to take somebody. And I thought that when they brought Pittman in and he had Odom and Browse, they were going to set the foundation, leave this thing in, in a good spot for the next people to come in. But it's slowly, it's almost like you set the foundation and they keep walking on the wet concrete. That's mm-hmm. the way I see where this program is right now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like you touched on with the coaches that aren't from here, from the area, whatever. I mean, but the ones that are here and are doing so well love it here. They love the school. They love the people. So they don't have to be here to – or they don't have to be from here to have love for the state, for the university, for the people, you know. So just find the best person that you can find. Yeah. And then like we say, winning fixes everything, you know, like with this whole football situation right now, if you get a coach in here, maybe from podunk USA, but if they come in here and start winning, nobody's going to care. Yeah. It's, but then again, maybe, you know, again, the, the other side of it, I mean, instead of just trying to treat it like all it's lost, maybe, Something clicks. Something clicks in this season that carries over to the next season. I, I hope, I swear, if it's the bowl game, I'm going to scream because it seems like it's always a meaningless bowl game that everybody hangs mm-hmm. their hat on. And I'm not saying fans. This is nothing towards the fans because the fans have every right to be frustrated and hating and really upset right now with the way things are going. They're the ones spending their money, spending four hours on watching the game and seeing this happen over and over again. But it's just something's got to change. It's almost like piss or we got to get off the pot. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. Yeah, no more is our bowl games a measure of how your season went. Um, you know, I don't even like talking when you when you look at uh, teams' records. I'm saying if they were a six, seven, or eight win season, including that bowl game in it, um, you just need to look at the regular season and go off of that with everybody with there being so many bowl games now and almost everybody getting an invite in some way shape or form um there's no reason to if if it's not like new year six or college football playoff or whatever then honestly it doesn't really matter when it comes to bowl season yeah and and the the opt-outs and it all it is Mm -hmm. is a swag bag and you you get to say now that you want a bowl game or you you even went to a bowl game because if you lose the bowl game, you're like, well, look at how many people we've had out. Uh, you know, you know, it's always if you lose, it's like, well, it didn't matter anyway because. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry, I don't think those games have any effect on recruiting other than you get extra practice days with the guys you have. That's mm-hmm. the that's the biggest plus to the bowl is you get those extra practices. Um, 
but and I know that we shouldn't be this frustrated or we may maybe taking things a little too hard, but it's just like something's gotta happen. I mean, if we're gonna I wanna see I wanna see this fan base in, in the in the fall like we see Bud Walton rocking. We see Baum Stadium rocking. We see Bogle Park rocking, Razorback Field rocking. I want to see where it's consistently in October, people are still excited to go to a Razorback game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what these fans deserve because I'm talking about generating money. Look, you've got to, if you're going to get a good coach, you've got to have enough money to pay for these coaches. Yeah. I mean, we, we're seeing what, you know, the other, you know, the seat, the, Sell at home sellouts for Bud Walton Arena year after year now. Um, soccer setting attendance records. Bogle Park setting attendance records. So, you know, the fans are just itching for winning teams and to see the potential, because we've seen it before in the past of, you know, like you're saying with the FIU game, if we get down to a 40,000, 50,000 uh, attendance for that game, I mean, that's – that's bad. Um, that tells you right there the, the state of the team and the state of the fans when yeah. you're only getting 40,000 people for, you know, non-conference game, throwaway game or not. And when you're only getting 40,000 people in Razorback Stadium, there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because you think about that. How many of those people season ticket holders? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's, you, that's guaranteed money. You know, you, they've already paid those tickets. So you mm-hmm. you're only banking on your your season ticket holders when you yell that announcement out. We know how all that goes. You can sit there and say there's forty four thousand or forty seven thousand people, but when you look in the stands, you're like, Mm-mm. There, there might be thirty. Like, you know, I would love to know the true number of how many people are in the stands in the Western Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. It. I'm sorry, but I'm telling you, they come out of this thing two and five. I would be very interested to see how many people are at the Mississippi State game. Yeah. I mean, you know, we look at, like, when you're bringing up the boosters, attendance, things like that. Um, we go back to Sam Pittman's hiring. I've seen a few times out there, too, now on how, like, oh, the boosters like him. Oh, you know, your chick likes – like, I, I just don't get – you can like him and him not just be a great fit. Um, I think when you're – when you look at it from, let's say, the business standpoint – and you're putting a product out on the field that's not putting butts in the stands who are then not spending money in concessions and other things, and that starts hurting the pockets of said boosters and who on, so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's I, I just don't buy into all of that, that, um, that that's the reason that they won't uh, pull the trigger on, a, you know, on Sam's future, which, again, I'm not saying you need to pull the trigger on it. I'm just, you know, the speculation out there of what's going to happen or that, um, you're a checker boosters like him too much to let him. I just, I don't buy into all that. Well, you, you've got to look at too. Yeah. We, we, we might be shelling out X amount of dollars for his buyout, but if we're continuously getting 30 and 40,000 people in our stance, how much revenue are we losing as a whole of people not coming to the games? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's gotta be a trade-off, you know, when, I mean, this, when I say businesses, I'm talking about Fayetteville as a whole. How much, I guarantee you, you they were talking about uh, that um, Colorado-Colorado State game that they made $17 million 
for that city in that one weekend. So you look mm-hmm. at how much revenue you're bringing into your area for somebody to come watch them play when things are at its highest. How much are you losing if it gets to the lowest? And I think that when you're looking at these buyouts, that has to be uh, uh, you know play, that has to be factored into it because this this is just not mm-hmm. we're losing money out of the Razorback Foundation to hire a new coach. We're talking about vendors and everything, hotels and you're not booking hotels. You know, I'll no. tell you what, if you're coming to Fayetteville and you can find a daggum hotel in October and November, no, on, on a Saturday, that will tell you where your football program is. Yeah, and when you get into the contracts and stuff too, I mean, I, from what I remember reading, liked Pittman's contract in the sense of it was very heavily incentive-based. Yes. Uh, which is how I think all coaches' contracts mm-hmm. should be. Exactly. Um, now, I do think that, the bar needs to be set higher at what you're paying a coach to come in. Um, you know, I know with, they use the, his lack of head coaching experience and every other, you know, so give them an incentive based contract. I didn't disagree with that one bit, but then you had your nine win season, which we've discussed. Was it a fluke or not? You know, having all the super seniors and whatnot, and then you got a raise with it. Um, you know, it's just, I think all coaches need to have that incentive based contract. Um, and, buyouts you know kind of look at it needs to go along with that not necessarily how long they've coached but what they produced while they were here exactly on how much yeah. you, on how much you pay out well you know when, when you, you're giving, you know, getting the chad morris days you know hey you came in here for two years and only had four wins um there's no way we're paying you 10 million dollars exactly and and there is one of the clauses and and this is the thing that after after that nine win season everybody looked at it and it was I, I know it's looked at heavily now because of course when things aren't going so well, but when you have a clause that you get X amount of dollars for winning seven games, all right, so that's showing you that's what they expect of me. Mm-hmm. Just get to seven games and I get a bonus. So that's I mean, you could take that as if you're if you're a guy, hey, all I gotta do is get seven seven wins and I get a bonus. That's barely making a bowl game every single year. Year after year, that's not going to cut it. You, you've got to show that you're willing to 8-9, maybe have a 10-win. I'm not saying you have to have a 10-win season. But you got you can't ride the 6-7 and seven win every year. And then, of course, we don't know how this year is going to play out. But, man, I, I don't – I mean, again, if you'd ask me right now, if they were to win a bowl game, I would say no. If uh, not win a bowl game, make it to a bowl game. I would say no. I, I'd agree with you. Um, and getting to a bowl game can no longer, like you were saying, with the the incentives of seven wins, that being, you know, the that's where kind of the minimum is, the standard is. I mean, that's no longer because, um, like we said, getting to a bowl game doesn't necessarily amount to anything anymore. So you've got to raise the bar a little bit more now that everybody's getting to a bowl game that six wins, sometimes even five wins, depending on who says we're not going to go to a bowl game. Um, you know, I think you've got to look at, okay, when are you getting to eight, nine wins consistently? Yeah. And, and that's where, again, that's where we need to get. And it, it's just because the fans deserve it. And that's where, and we're getting a lot of people saying no one wanted the job. No, nobody. I mean, no. nobody really wanted the job, but, 
but you can't sit there and take that as settling for letting Sam ride out. If, if this ain't going to work out, we need to at least get it to that next spot. Put it in the hands of somebody because if they looked at what Sam Pittman can do here, maybe there's some a coach that would be like, I can come in and I will take charge of this and I will get this team back to where it needs to be. Just because nobody wanted this job four years ago doesn't mean that somebody don't want it now. I mean, this, and, and we could sit here and say the program's bad. This program was nothing compared to what it was when Chad Morris left this place. Oh, no. And you I think that we're, you know, because we're in the midst of all this right now. We think we're at our worst, but we're not thinking back to how it was just a few short years ago. Yeah. And then that's where I leave that at. It, it, yes, Sam Pittman has brought us out of the ashes. Yes, we can't sit there and say what he has not done for this program in this state. And, but is that the peak? Is that all he's able to do for us? I mean, can he get us to an, I mean, we're looking at right now. Can he get us to a bowl this year? You know, I mean, it, it, that's where this program is at right now. And again, how many more years is that going to be acceptable to where we just keep writing this and give him another year? That's going to be the tough question. Let's see how the rest of the season plays out. But I'm telling you that, the way things are trajectorying right now, they're going down that downward path. It, it's there's it, either if you give him one more year, I, I think that's where it's going to be. I don't see now unless he just loses the rest of his games. I think he, he's safe, but I tell you what, if this team just the, the wheels just fall off this thing, yeah, they're going to have to seriously make some changes. Yeah, and I'm sticking with what I've said, and I've been on record saying that I thought that this season, however it played out would determine where he was at on the hot seat for next season. Meaning that, you know, if this season kept going how it was going and we finished below 500, that they'd be looking at, okay, there's a chance that we've got to replace him next year. We'll see if that happens sooner or later or if they turn things around. I don't know. Well, we're going to end the show on on a positive note. I I was reached out by a friend of ours, Vicki Robertson, was talking about a documentary that come out, a true story called The Price of Love, which you can watch it on Cox Cable, or here's the link right here where you can set uh, download and get your sign-up to watch it for free on your view. Um, a true story out of Arkansas, Price of Love, an amazing story of love and triumph, capturing the journey of an autistic child once bound to a life of silence, and it is produced by our own Quinn Grovey, so really go out and check that out. It's really nice being able to talk to them. Of course, y'all know how, you know, autism and autism awareness really resonates with me, me personally. So definitely want to uh, have y'all check that out, watch it. It is a very good documentary, and I don't think that you will be disappointed about that at all. Um, but, yeah, it, it's 24-hour rule. I guess kind of just say what we all said. Fans have been able to uh, vent their frustrations and really, you know, get get everything out there, you know. So yeah. let's – hopefully we turn things around. And, again, when we're mad and we're frustrated, we just let things out. But I don't – I just don't want us to come back two, three weeks later and we're still talking about the same frustrations. I want to see some kind of – showmanship like hey look all right look we're going to turn things around we're not going to let this get to us and we're going to come back and and really start next week with Ole Miss and see what happens 
Definitely. It's going to be a long week to get ready for Ole Miss. Yep. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk podcast. We will come back with you Tuesday at 5. I, uh, again, it's going to be Tuesday at 5. I don't know if we're going to do a live broadcast of it since it's at 5, or we might pre-record it and release it. We'll get that, but we're going to have an Ole Miss beat writer come on to preview the upcoming Ole Miss game on Tuesday, and we will catch you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.